we're in control of how we feel. And if we do start to unravel, look to where you can take care of yourself and nurture yourself so that you can be in a stronger position to handle stuff. This is the Alchemized Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna, transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. All right, you guys, this has been quite a morning. Construction has been going on down beneath our unit. We're right above the garage and the garage door broke or some shit. And they have been like sawing into the ceiling, which is also semi sawing into our floor. It's been fun. Okay. I literally had to stop recording because it got so loud and I couldn't stop laughing because I want to throw my laptop into the wall. Um, Hello, this is the behind the scenes of being a podcast host and recording out of your home. So many different things can come up. Alas, I am in a fine mood because I have let go of all control of when these... when this construction is going to happen. And the reason why I'm still recording, because I'm sure some of you are like, well, Ava, why don't you just wait until they're finished? Um, I'm going to Big Sur tonight and I'm going to be gone for three days and I have to get this to my producer. So the episodes can come out on time. So yes, not the most timely opportunity for me, but you know, it's still happening. Oh, and Penny is kicking me in the shoulder right now. Okay. So anyways, hi guys, welcome to the podcast. My name is Ava Johanna. For those of you that have never tuned in before, I promise most of my intros do not start like this, Um, but this is the real shit apparently. On the podcast today, we have Kelly Noonan-Gores, who is the director behind The Heal documentary and now The Heal book. So I'm really excited to jump into the conversation with her. And honestly, I'm not going to talk that much in this intro today because of the noise and the random saw that might come sawing through my floor. It's like a horror movie up in here. Anywho, thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's going to be a great episode. We talk all about the power of your mind when it comes to healing. And it is such a powerful episode. If you haven't seen the Heal documentary, seriously, like after you listen to this episode, go download Netflix if you don't already have Netflix and watch that documentary. What I love about it, besides the fact that it really talks about the power of our minds when it comes to healing and really leaning into our ability to visualize um, the power of our thoughts and all of that special special stuff that I always talk about too, is um, the spiritual teachers that are a part of it. You know, Miriam Williamson, who, by the way, they did a hilarious skit on SNL about her. She like astral projected in. It was very, very funny. Uh, Poor Marion. And um, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Deepak Chopra, amongst many others. So Kelly had the gift of being able to sit down with all of these amazing people and just as amazing as these people are, Kelly is as well. So you guys are seriously in for a treat today. As always, it means so much to me when you leave a review for the podcast, maybe you can just leave five stars for making me feel better about this construction noise. That would be so very, very wonderful and make my day. And I can go show it to the construction people and be like, see, it's important. So yeah, I'm just about losing my mind at this point. I have Penny snoring now in my ear. So she's kicking and snoring. And I think I'm going to hop off and let you guys just listen to this conversation. Enjoy yourselves. And if it resonates with you, maybe you share it on your Instagram stories. I don't know. There's two episodes coming out this week. So make sure to tune in on Thursday. Without further ado, thank you for hearing me rambling. Thank you for talking me off a cliff. Let's jump into today's episode. Kelly, I am so beyond grateful that you're coming on the podcast. 
I manifested you 100% because I was watching the documentary Heal, which is your documentary for everyone that's listening on Netflix, probably about six to nine months ago. And while I was watching it, my mind was just constantly being blown. And I'm like, I need to have this woman on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, And you know, it's funny that it was this manifestation because a lot of what the documentary is about and now the book is about the power of our mind and manifestation is the action of our thoughts turning into our reality. So I'm curious what inspired you to shift out of your role as an actress and get behind the camera? Was it a life-changing moment? Was it just a buildup of moment moments that brought you to where you are today? For me, it was a lot of, a lot of mini moments, you know, um, or major, but a lot of people ask or assume that maybe I went through my own health crisis or lost someone to a devastating illness. And for me, it was more about, it was like a calling. It was weird. It was like, once I started learning about the power of the mind, the incredible innate ability our body has to heal and things like epigenetics and quantum physics, I was like, holy moly, we are co-creators with life. We have so much power than we've been led to believe. We're not victims of life, you know? So, you know, once I, I basically, I put all the teachers that had empowered me through their books or their talks or whatever. Um, and I put them in a film to empower others because I was blown away and it, they all changed my life in some way. So, yeah. And I mean, they're all of my favorite teachers. And for those of you that haven't um, seen the documentary, Marianne Williamson, Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, medical medium, Anthony Williams, so many incredible people. What was it like just like being surrounded by that vibe for how long were you filming for? It was about a year. Okay. For a year to be around that many, like incredibly like high energy people. What I can't yeah. even imagine. Well, it was my first, it was the first film I directed. So at the beginning I was like, definitely putting them all on a pedestal yeah. and nerve nervous going into the interviews, you know, because I was just learning as I was going as far as technical. And, and of course they're just, you know, these people have changed my life. So to be sitting in front of them was a little intimidating, you know, but I think as it went on, um, and I felt more and more comfortable with the process and confident that, you know, in my vision, um, cause I had an amazing crew that had more technical experience in the film industry. I'd always been in front of the camera, never behind. So they really supported me and, and gave me confidence and allowed, you know, reassured me that, my choices and my visions and execution were, were the right ones, you know? So, you know, it was just after, after my insecurity got out of the way in the first few months, it was just so inspiring. I mean, I could sit there and talk to them just, I'm sure like your guests on your podcast, you could talk to them for hours, you know? So, um, and they were all just so gracious, you know, they're all at a point in their lives and careers where they just want to give and share the wisdom that they have. Mm -hmm. So I was very blessed that they said yes to share their wisdom on my film. Yeah. And I mean, in the lives that it's impacting too, it's wild. And I mean, I guess nerding out with you as an, as another interviewer. And I think that this is just like an overall great question for people to think about in their own healing journeys and just like throughout their lives. But how did you know and were inspired to ask the questions that you did? Because ultimately the questions are really what give way to these transformational answers and it starts there. So what was that process like for you? Because I think being good at answering or asking questions is an important skill for all of us to have, whether you have a podcast, do a documentary or, you know, just work a regular job. Right. I think they were all just, they organically stemmed from extreme curiosity and a passion for this topic. So I thought about doing the documentary for it was probably marinating uh, in or growing in my mind for about eight years, wow. seven years. And, you know, as I'm gathering information, I was, I was just, I, I found myself like lighting up talking about it. And, and so when you're that passionate about a topic, like the questions just kind of come organically, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, to just, if, if you are embarking on a, on a project, whether it's a podcast or a film or a book, you know, just being really clear about what you want 
what the intention of the film is so mm-hmm. or with the project. So my intention was always to empower people with information and then inspire them with inspiring stories that would strengthen their belief in possibility. So if I ever was trying to think of a question or or plan out what I was going to ask, you know, it, it had to be in line with that intention, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. kind of, kind of the energy behind it just kind of, it unfolded really naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a good like compass though, to be like, what is my intention behind this? Whether it is a project or just your own healing, what is my intention to going to the doctor's office? What information do I want? Can I ask questions that are going to guide me closer to that information? Um, I think that just suiting ourselves in that way with like, what is my intention going into this is really powerful because it puts us into that state of being empowered rather than being a victim. And that's kind of what the entire documentary is all about too. Exactly. So you said you've been thinking about it for eight years. What was the determining factor of like, okay, I'm going to do this now? Yeah. Um, I think it was a couple things, you know, I'd acted on and off my whole life. Um, right before I was ready to do the documentary, I I actually starred in a movie, like I carried the movie. I was the lead role. And obviously as an actor, that's kind of the, what you strive for. Right. So I finally got that experience. I would, the character was very much in line with my essence, aligned with my essence. And, and, you know, it was, it was a low budget independent film, but you know, it was like 40 days of grueling, like long days of shooting and, And even though the character was so close to kind of who I am, it was just really hard work for me, you know? And I, I, I finally got the culmination of of what you want and I realized I didn't love it, you know, Mm -hmm. as much as this fantasy I had held for so long as like since childhood, you know, that acting is the end all be all and whatever. So it kind of like woke me up. I I paid attention. I was like, I'm so much more enjoying talking about researching and, and, you know, learning more about this topic of the power of the mind, you know? And so, um, and then like one of the last catalysts that really blew my mind and like ignited my passion again was reading Anita Morjani's book, Dying to Be dying to be me. And it's, um, I recommend it to anybody, but especially if you're on a cancer journey, um, or cancer is part of your journey, you should read this book because she embodies, you know, a physical body being so far gone with cancer and organs shutting down, et cetera. And she had a shift in consciousness during a near death experience. And then when she came back into her body, her body healed. Wow. So it just, for me, that was like the you know, just the made the most inspiring story of what's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was ready. I was ready to embark on the, on the journey. I, I wanted to follow my passion. Yeah. That's so inspirational because I think that I've experienced that too, of like making it to that end all be all and being like, well, wait, this wasn't totally like what I had assumed it to be. How do you recommend for someone listening that is embarking on that type of path that maybe got to that point of letting go of that expectation? Because I think that it can be hard sometimes of us just feeling like it's supposed to be a certain way, but it not being that way and us just like holding on so tightly to maybe one day it will be that way, you know? Right. Yeah, it's hard. And and I, I would say that you don't know until you know. Yeah. Um, so even with like a relationship, you know, we've all dated the wrong person and, and your friends could tell you it's wrong. Your parents could tell you they're not the right person for you, but you don't know personally until you know, you know? So same with kind of a passion or like, especially if you've put so many hours in and work and blood, sweat, and tears to follow this Mm -hmm. dream. And then all of a sudden you wake up and the dream doesn't seem like it's not, you know, it's not making you happy anymore. You just have to try. I would, I would say in my experience, you have to trust that life takes you, you know, journeys aren't always linear. Like life takes you down one path because you're supposed to meet people. You're supposed to develop different skills. And then, you know, one day you wake up, you can turn left and start a whole new path, you know? Yeah. And I would just pay attention to how you feel. You know, if you're pursuing something because you've been doing it robotically for 15 years and that's what your parents wanted you to do or whatever the case may be, if it's not making you feel good, it's not your passion. It's not your purpose. You know, your purpose will ignite 
you're, you know, you'll feel warmth in your chest. You'll feel excitement and energy. It really comes down to that. If you feel energized by something, keep doing it. Mm -hmm. If it's draining you in any way, shape or form, that is not what you're meant to be doing on this planet. Yeah. I love that. And I can resonate with that so deeply. I've been in the process of building out my own course and it's all about spirituality and then career transformation. And as I've been writing it, it has been just like this, like endless channel. And like, I've struggled with writing in the past and haven't been able to really sit down and get myself to write. But every single morning over the past week, I've been sitting down from like 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., just like constantly writing. And it feels so good. And by the end of it, I'm not like, oh, my eyes are tired because I've been staring at my computer screen. I'm like, how can I create more? What's next? And I think that we get little like snippets of that, you know, throughout our lives. And at a certain point, you kind of just have to like listen to that and let go of the fear of like, what if, or um, if I let someone down or if I fail and all of those question marks that often stop us from going after that passion. So it's super inspiring to hear um, how you kind of took that left turn and started following your passions as well. Yeah. And and fear is a big one, you know, especially if you're changing careers or after many years doing something different or um, you feel like you're, you know, you just feel like you're not equipped or ready. And I would just say like, if you have that burning desire in your heart, if you're having those feelings, if you're energized about something like there's, I heard Deepak saying on a, on a meditation recently. And he was like, if you have the dream in your heart, like the, the, the path is included that, Mm. that can see that dream come to fruition. He said it much more eloquently than that, but basically like within every acorn is an oak tree, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you have a passion, there is, it is possible to, like, there's a reason that you have that passion. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. And it reminds me, um, Sahara Rose is an author and she, um, works closely with Deepak. And I remember asking her, you know, I just started on my spiritual path and my new career and it's going so well, but I feel like the other shoe's going to drop. Like, I, I don't know. I just like feel like I'm walking on eggshells and something bad is going to go wrong. And she shared that Deepak emailed her and said, you know, um, when you are living in your dharma, when you are living in your passion and your purpose, the universe conspires to put everything into alignment with for you. Like that is why nothing is going wrong because you are living your purpose and your passion. And instead we should focus on when things are going wrong, needing to get back into alignment, get back onto our path and question what is it that I need to change or what is that lesson that I need to learn from this? Yes. I love that. And that's what I felt about heal. I didn't necessarily feel like I was equipped or ready to sit down with Deepak Chopra and ask it like, who am I, you know, but the universe conspired and I just kept saying yes. And there was an energy that was not my own. I was just kind of the vessel yeah, just showing up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I totally resonate with that. I feel that with this podcast every single day, I get to sit down with people. I'm curious. So what was your like gateway to spirituality and psychology and all of these um, tools? You know, what was that first book that you picked up? What was that first thing that you were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. It's an, uh, luckily this is a very easy answer. Um, in, I was in college and I was, I went to Berkeley my first two years out of high school and I went up there and I was not sure, you know, it was the first time I wasn't going to act. I was, you know, I had a judgment that I was too smart to be an actor, you know, <laughs> and, uh, went up there and, you know, explored all sorts of I, pol- political science, um, film, art history, psychology. And I just wanted to see if what my other passions were, but after two years, I don't know if it was the weather, probably the terrible diet, you know, drinking too much, eating too much pizza at 2am, you know, um, all of these things, I wasn't happy for the first time in my life. Mm. You know, I generally had like a really happy childhood and played three sports all the time. And lived in sunny Southern California. I know. I was going to say, let's also remind ourselves that we're Southern California babies. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's different. It's <laughs> so, um, I thought it was weather related, but yeah. I was like unhappy, you know? Mm-hmm. So I ended up transferring to UCLA to come back to the sunshine and my family and friends. And, um, I had two quarters off, uh, because I 
waited too long to transfer basically, or decide to transfer. So I traveled with my brother, um, the first quarter, he was doing a photo assignment in Australia. And I was like, can I come and just travel with you for two months? So that was awesome. Cause that's awesome. <laughs> totally bonded. Yeah. And on the way home of a, a guy that we met over there, a friend of ours, uh, gave me the book return to love by Marianne mm. Williamson. So I read it on the plane ride home and I was like, it just cracked me up. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for. Like this is, I was raised Catholic and I loved the history of Jesus and and the stories and parables and everything and the the metaphors, but something wasn't fully connecting. Mm -hmm. Um, And she put spirituality, she put God and, you know, talking about fear and love, you know, hell on earth, heaven on earth. If we're coming from fear, it's hell on earth. If we're coming from love, it's heaven on earth. Um, and I just, I was, it so resonated with yeah. me. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. So I started, that's when I started reading all, all the books in, wow. in her category, you know, yeah, yeah. spirituality. And how old were you at the time? I think I was 19 or 20. Wow. I was doing something vastly different at 19 <laughs> and 20 years old. <laughs> What was it like then, you know, having kind of this spiritual awakening at, in my opinion, a young age when like your peers around you are still drinking, going clubbing and doing all of these things that, you know, kind of would be more lower vibrational? Yeah. Um, I think it was an awakening to an extent, but I definitely continued to like have fun yeah. and explore and, and be a, you know, yeah. a, a collegiate. You're like, I'm manifesting yeah. the VIP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it just, you know, it's, it was a slow burn and it was yeah. just like, it just basically lit the fire of curiosity. So I, be, I just became like a total seeker. So I still dabbled in the low vibration uh, collegiate activities, but my curiosity of just reading, you know, I like, Gary Zukov and uh, all sorts, like the Upanishads, like all sorts of spiritual tech. I just mm-hmm. was so hungry for for understanding the the universal truths that I think lie at the, at the base of every religion. Yeah, um, it's just different. You know, it's it's the same universal truths dressed in different cultural clothing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I really resonate with the idea of not necessarily having to hit that rock bottom, but just being a seeker in curiosity. I definitely have had like my dark night of the soul, but for the most part, I am just innately curious. And my goal, even with this podcast is to inspire people to be curious without having to hit that rock bottom or have that dark night of the soul. So for those that are listening that may not have had a, you know, health journey or autoimmune um, disease, how can they take the information that you've presented with then heal the documentary and the book and apply it into their lives? Like what is that big meaning behind the documentary that like anyone can really incorporate into their lives? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think everything that the, that we explore and, and that, you know, the experts talk about and, and share in the film can easily be, you know, not just curative, but preventative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are bombarded by stress um, and information these days, which, you know, it causes a lot of stress. Just this, we're, we're not able to process what all this information that's coming on our smartphones. And there's all sorts of invisible, like, waves in the air, yeah. you know, and, and pollution and toxicity. And, and so it's just, I think awareness is the first step mm-hmm. to anything. And, um, you know, one of the big messages in the film is disease is kind of a wake up call. Symptoms is a, is a conversation your body is trying to tell you saying, look, there's a major imbalance here. You know, a lot of it's caused by stress. A lot of it's caused by unresolved emotional trauma. So, you know, the overarching thing is the universe, God, whichever term you like to use is going to gently nudge you it's going to start with a gentle nudge if you're off the path of your purpose. And and that nudge is going to get louder and louder and more painful and more painful, uh, which leads to a disease or dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. um, so that you wake up to your potential and your purpose. And, you know, everything happens in life for our greatest unfoldment, our soul's evolution, right? That's, that's the game of life that we're in. So I would just, you know, the more awareness you have about how life is constantly giving you feedback. Your body is constantly giving you feedback about imbalances that, you know, 
hopefully you can get to the point where you hear the nudge and you don't need to be whacked over the head by something major. Yeah, absolutely. So for yourself, I mean, one, having these amazing conversations with all of these teachers and healers is a great way to build that awareness. But what do you do on a daily basis to help establish that awareness, to check in with yourself, to like make sure that you are in alignment? Yeah. Meditation is my like major tool. Yeah. You know, every- what style of meditation do you do? I learned transcendental meditation. Okay. I learned TM and yeah. got my mantra and went back and got my advanced mantra. Um, but then I went to the Chopra Center and I learned primordial sound meditation where they give you a mantra based on your birth date and time and, mm. and it's your specific vibration. That's cool. Know? Is that like a whole long course or? Uh, I did it over a weekend. Okay. So yeah. That's cool. So I think it's pretty quick. Yeah. And then of course I have a plethora of, uh, guided meditations yeah. on my phone, you know, so it depends on my mood, yeah. you know, but even, it, and even if I don't have, you know, in TM, you're doing 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. Uh, but now it's just like, I can feel my, because I've practiced awareness and mindfulness for so long, I can feel when my like brain is on overdrive and mm-hmm. it's like running on empty, you know? Uh, and I just, you know, if you can just even just like, you want to, close your eyes and turn within because to cut off all that overstimulation that we have in the world uh, and just connect with your breath and breathe even for five minutes, you can totally reset everything. So learn some sort of meditation or get an app and, and just give yourself that time. And just like anything, it's a practice. The more you do it, the more space you create and the deeper you go and connect with your intuition and higher self. So it's a practice and I encourage you to practice the rest of your life. Yeah. And then another tool, you know, it's kind of the three that I, that I love are uh, work around gratitude. Mm-hmm. So I think gratitude is a, is probably the most powerful manifestation energy. Um, so we talk about it in the film, Joe Dispenza specifically, but he's, he talks about the quantum model of causing an effect with elevated emotions and visualization rather than the Newtonian model of cause and effect. So, so, you know, when you're in gratitude, when you're giving thanks, you know, the life thinks that something's already happened. So Joe, Joe, uh, teaches in the film, you know, to give thanks as if what you want has already happened and to visualize and connect with your heart and like feel the feelings as if you had what you were desiring. So can you, can you give an example of that? If like someone is wanting to change their careers? Yeah. So say you want to be focused on the career that you want, you know, close your eyes, connect with your breath. You know, he would suggest doing a meditation just to, just to kind of like ground and, mm-hmm. and drop into yourself. Um, and then imagine yourself doing that. Say you want to be a E entertainment red carpet host. Uh, I'm just pulling that, that out. That sounds of the real neck. fun guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, imagine yourself doing it. Imagine yourself talking to whatever your dream people you're interviewing, you're talking to, uh, and feel those feelings. You know, it's kind of a random one that I said, yeah. but no, that's a great one. It's a great example though. As if, you know, or if you want to, if, if you've, um, if you're on a healing journey and you want, and you've been in bed for six weeks and you've been nauseous, or whatever, uh, it's really hard to do visualization and be positive when you're not feeling well. But if you can just picture, you know, you can do anything with your mind, even if you're lying there in pain and you can't move, um, visualize being healed, visualize being in the shower and, and feeling that the warm water, visualize running on the beach again, whatever it is that like, makes your heart sing, you know, and then feel those feelings in your heart. You know, that's the, that starts to shift your energy and it starts to change your point of attraction mm-hmm. and it starts to cause an effect. Uh, and it, you know, Joe Dispenza sped along his, his healing, you know, yeah. uh, he healed his spine using that technique. Yeah, so yeah. That whole story is wild just wild. because he visualized each vertebrae for vertebrae going back into the alignment. Right. That was, yes. that's the story. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think and it's so he, crazy. You know, he's, he pictured himself cause they told him he was going to be in a wheelchair the rest yeah. of his life. And he refused to buy into that. And then he sat there over and over in his mind, just visualizing his spine coming back together vertebrae by vertebrae. And, but then he would, you know, 
picture watching another sunset, walking on the beach, doing things that the doctors were telling me he'd never do again, being in the shower, standing up, running triathlons again, whatever. And uh, those feelings, that imagination combined with the elevated emotion is what sped along his healing. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's so wild. And I know Michael Bernard Beckwith was in the documentary as well. And one of the things that he said in a podcast that I was listening to probably a year ago, he said, um, instead of like, keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about, like how our parents used to say to us, he'd said, keep being grateful and I'll give you something to be grateful for. And um, I just loved that so much because it's so true. We need to be in this state of having and receiving an abundance because that just creates this energetic shift for us rather than this desperation and this lack and this scarcity where I think a lot of people... I mean, myself included can get into because it's easier. That muscle has been strengthened for so long, that negativity. And ultimately, when I talk to my clients and when I'm teaching meditation, I'm just saying, you know, it's a this gratitude muscle is a muscle that's atrophied over time. And so we just need to strengthen it with that consistency through meditation, through visualization, through affirmation. Totally. Yep. What you appreciate, appreciates. Yes. Someone said, yeah. <laughs> You guys, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that 2019 is almost over. It's wild how quickly this year has gone by. And I really have been reflecting on all of my relationships with my mentees and the coaching program that I started at the beginning of the year. And I'm just absolutely blown away at all of the success that I've seen all of the girls in my program go through. From launching their first online course to getting published in print magazines to landing their first brand partnerships, stepping away from their full-time jobs to pursue a career in wellness. It's been fucking awesome to say the least. And I am beyond excited to share that I am going to be opening up two spots in my mentorship program at the end of November. So if you guys are interested in working with me for four months through the end of this year and the beginning of next year, and you are ready to step into your purpose to shine your light so fucking bright and to fully feel confident that you have this unique gift to offer to the world and you're ready to do the inner work and excited to shine and really step forward, I would absolutely love to support you and work with you one-on-one. For those of you that are interested, all of the details are in the show notes. It's a four-month program. It's all one-on-one and it is truly for the woman that is ready to make massive waves. So, head to the show notes, send me a DM, ask me whatever questions. I'm currently hosting applications and we'll be picking two people to work with through the end of the year and the beginning of 2020. This is a powerful, powerful catalyst and huge statement to the universe that you are ready to fully invest in yourself and show up for your dreams. So I cannot wait to hear from all of you, to chat with all of you and to start working with some of you one-on-one. Let's jump back into the episode. Having had all of these amazing conversations, how do you absorb it all without getting too overwhelmed or on overdrive or feeling like you might be forgetting something? Because I mean, interviewing so many people for the podcast too, sometimes I'm like, damn, I forgot that I had this crazy conversation with this person because there's just so much information all at once. So how do you absorb it all? Like any podcast that I go into, any interview that I do, you just trust that the information that's supposed to come across is going to come across. Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't stress about like, oh, I got to review that. You know, you just kind of do the best you can, yeah. and and you know. But I think we're. I I feel like I just. I don't know. I don't know. I I can resonate with that because for so long I stressed out about making sure I asked all the right questions and got through my whole list of questions that I had for people. Or if I was about to give some sort of talk, I would be freaking out reading the paper before I would go on stage or go out and do a workshop. And I, at a certain point, just realized I'm like, I've prepared as much as I can prepare. And I ultimately am going to just like take a second, say a prayer and let whatever flows through me because that's what everyone needs to hear. It's not going to be my like 
again, coming back to like having that tight grip on what I think should happen instead, just allowing what's supposed to happen to come out. Totally. Exactly. Where do you find this information going next? Like how not only in like the public eye with the book coming out, or it's going to be out by the time this podcast um, airs, but also just in your own life, like balancing all of this information and um, you have a newborn baby. And so having a kid now, like, how does that, how is it going to be integrated into now your family? Yeah. You know, there's a lot going on with the documentary, you know, there's the book that's coming out that's out now. And I'm really trying to, it's an exercise, a very, you know, intense exercise in balance yeah. because <laughs> part of me, all I want to do is just hang out with my four and a half year, month old, you know, part of me knows that if I didn't have anything else going on and I was just at home with a four and a half month old, I'd probably be pretty restless, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm just trying to stay present, trying not to uh, stress, which is good. You know, like even making the film, there's tons of obstacles that come up and yeah. challenges. And it's really cool that, you know, my crew and I, we had to practice what we were preaching. You yeah, know, the experts sure. are telling us like <laughs> stress is what, takes 95% of the people to the doctor. And so we, we just didn't allow the normal stresses to overtake us, you yeah. know? So same with heel. I'm just like letting it unfold, putting as, you know, the energy that I feel it deserves. Like right now it's a pretty intense time because it's the book launch and there's interviews and there's just stuff you have to do to support the book launch. But then now that the book's out, things are slowing down and I get to, so I'm just kind of like going with the flow, trying to stay present, trying not to, you know, trying to take care of myself too, because when you're taking care of a, a baby and taking care of a project, like you tend to neglect yourself. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's important too, you know, to, to just really like rest as much as I can, especially I'm breastfeeding right now and my milk is struggling <laughs> and, you know, I had these high expectations for only breastfeeding yeah. for, you know, one year and, uh, or up to six months and you add food or whatever. But I think because I have so much going on and I haven't been resting like I should and taking care of myself, like my milk supply dropped and, and I could easily spiral into the stress of that and the right. guilt. And I did, you know, for momentarily, but I'm like, this is not going to help. So I'm just, you know, you just, I just had to be more vigilant and more disciplined with myself to like nap and get better rest and hydrate and eat all the time, you know, to, yeah. to do all the things that support breast, breast milk. So you know, it's just constantly staying present and yeah, doing the best you can. For sure. So at the beginning of your journey, like when you started recognizing how impactful stress was and could see the spiraling, because I think that we all have our own versions of spiraling and get better over time at catching ourselves before we go too far down the path. What was it that you did at the beginning of your path though? Like when you first started learning all of this stuff and could see your emotions and the reactivity kind of you know, rear its ugly head. How did you get yourself to the point of getting good at like stopping yourself from mm -hmm. getting too far down? Is, is that, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. yeah. So for people like kind of just starting. Yeah. Out, yeah. Like, Cause I feel it. Good? I feel like a lot of people will come to me and ask about stress and say, you know, I, I conceptually get all of these things that you're talking about Ava, but sometimes it's just really, really hard and I just let, let it get the best of me. Mm -hmm. So how did you start to, you know, not let it get the best of you? Yeah. I mean, it's been an evolution for sure. I feel like now where I'm at, I just come back to this belief about life, that life is always working for us, never against us. So even if circumstances, if, if a circumstance rears its ugly head and it's not how we think life should be, you know, really sit back and go, okay, there's a blessing in this. There's a lesson in this. Uh, you know, it's not comfortable right now, but like this too shall pass. And, and I know in hindsight, like there's a huge blessing. So just like relax, breathe, accept, and then, you know, take whatever action steps you need. That That's me now. Yeah. <laughs> um, be, before, it's hard to go back into that mindset. But I think, I think like the basic law or, or, you know, rule that I would say is that, you know, we, we have power over how we feel, you know? And so once, if we allow someone or something to stress us out, it's human, like, feel sorry for yourself for a moment, feel sadness, feel anger, 
feel it, but then, but then take a breath and go, okay, I have full control over how I feel. I can react to life or I can respond to life. We are responsible um, for the way we respond to life. Mm-hmm. And so it's harder to do when you are tired. It's harder to do when you eat a shitty diet. It's harder. So again, it comes back to like self-care. Yeah. You know, if 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 you're really emotional and you're sensitive because you haven't been sleeping, like like let, you know, pay attention to how you're feeling. If you're unraveling from stress, you're probably not in a strong place to deal with it. So maybe you need to meditate. Maybe you need to don't go out for a few nights and like stay in and just self-care, you know? So I think we're in control of how we feel. And if we do start to unravel, look to where you can take care of yourself and nurture yourself so that you can be in a stronger position to handle stuff. That's such a good point talking about like the way in which we are like setting ourselves up just all the time, like the food that we're eating, the people we're surrounding ourselves with, the media that we're consuming. I mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I went out and drank a bunch and was super hungover and felt so crappy. And I was just like, whatever, I'm going to order Postmates a box of Chips Ahoy. I haven't had Chips Ahoy in like years. <laughs> and, and like, and for whatever reason, I got a whole thing of Chips Ahoy. And I was just like, what? why did I do that? But it was because I wasn't priming myself to like make the best decisions for my health. And so I kind of just like defaulted to this thing that I knew was going to be bad for me anyways. Um, and now like with my 10,000 foot view, I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And the other thing that is, I started getting into, I started reading uh, Gabby Bernstein's new book, Super Attractor. And she talks about Abraham Hicks emotional guidance scale. Have you heard of it? i Love Abraham. Okay. Yeah. So the, for everyone that's listening and then it's the emotional guidance scale and it's like on a scale of one to 22, one being like highest of um, empowerment, love, freedom, 22 being fear, guilt, desperation. And between those are all these different emotions, boredom, anger, rage, uh, contentment, happiness, joy. And what they teach is to go for that next emotion. Don't try and get yourself from fear to freedom. Instead, can you get yourself from feeling fear to maybe blame or anger or um, confusion and go for that next reaching emotion? Um, You know, they say, of course, miracles can happen, but sometimes if we try to get ourselves from something like fear to happiness or love that we can actually make ourselves feel even worse because we're not able to find that zero to 60 switch like that. So instead reaching for that next emotion allows us to move up the emotional guidance scale faster so we don't end up spiraling out of control. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I want to study that. It's like a ladder, you know, you can't jump four rings up. You got to go ring by ring. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious what like the wildest thing you learned from this whole experience was as far as information or just the experience as a whole? Oh my goodness. Wildest thing. I mean, the two things that I come back to in the film that I think, you know, I knew a lot of it going in because again, these teachers had inspired me for many years before I put, I interviewed them for the film. But I think, you know, understanding that our subconscious programming, our subconscious beliefs that we adopt from other people, we basically are like a sponge downloading other people's programs from the ages of zero to seven years old, you know, in in utero to seven years old, our brains are just soaking up beliefs and behaviors of our caretakers. So, and then those beliefs about life, which a lot of them tend, you know, the majority of them are negative and disempowering. Like I am not worthy. I am not enough the world is not safe, I am not lovable, whatever those are, they are the attractor field for you the rest of your life. So you're going to continue to attract those, um, attract circumstances and relationships that affirm and confirm those negative beliefs. So, and they are subconscious. So we are not aware that we have these beliefs running our lives. So I think that's, that's mind blowing because it explains a lot, you know? So, to really look at kind of what beliefs are running your life is is a is a very helpful thing to do. Yeah. And then the other one is the placebo effect and just how powerful our beliefs about um, our beliefs and expectations 
literally change our biology. So talk about the language that doctors use. You know, if if our doctors are more enthusiastic about a treatment, our belief in that treatment's ability is going to be stronger Mm -hmm. and that treatment will have a stronger effect on us all because of our minds, yeah. you know, because based on the doctor's enthusiasm. So it's just so much is possible with the mind and it has to do with what we believe is possible. So we need to work on strengthening, strengthening our belief in what's possible. Yeah. I love that so much. What do you think is what needs to happen to get that enthusiasm there with doctors? Cause I have girlfriends that are doctors that are like in total disbelief of all of this stuff. Like one of my um, best girlfriends is studying psychology up at Stanford or Berkeley right now. And, um, you know, she's like, I want to believe in the spiritual stuff, but like, mm, I just, the, the doctor in me just doesn't. Yeah. And so when we, I guess, as like a patient, maybe going into something, can we spark enthusiasm in our doctors? Or do you think that it has to be more of a higher level of the way in which they're getting educated? Yes. So for doctors, the, the problem lies in the education. Yeah. You know, they are the problem lies in the education and then the fact that we're in a lawsuit happy culture. So they are restricted by so much liability. So they're not able to get if the if the statistics don't look good, you know, they just have to tell the facts because they can't mm, that's so lead true. someone on, you know, um, rather than so and then the on the flip side, because education is gonna be a hard thing to change. It's been going for a long time. It's funded by pharmaceutical companies. It's that's a whole, you know, rabbit hole. But the, 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 the more important thing is for you to realize that the power lies within us. So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, we're conditioned to believe that something outside, we need something outside of ourselves to heal, which is a doctor, a pill, a surgery, whatever it is. So if we can watch the heal documentary dive deeper and really know that we are the we are the ones that hold the power then we won't then whether they're enthusiastic or not is not going to affect us because we believe in what's possible and and we're not relying on what they tell us um, to be possible for us you yeah. know so we're we're going and getting getting the best medical this is what Deepak Chopra and and Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and everybody in the film go seek out the best medical advice you can get get your diagnosis, find out what's going on, but don't accept your prognosis. Don't let a doctor tell you what's possible for your life based on a bell curve that they're perpetuating because they're telling everybody what's possible and people are buying into it. So whether it's 2%, 25%, 80%, you can be that percentage, you know? So get your diagnosis, but make your own prognosis. I love that so much. My girlfriend um, was diagnosed with lupus earlier this year and it's been really hard for her. And the first two and a half months, I believe it was maybe less than that. They didn't know what it was. They thought it was ulcerative colitis. They thought she had something wrong with her pancreas, just all of these different things. And then when she got the diagnosis and told me what it was, I was like, wow, thank God that you have a diagnosis. Do you feel so empowered now that you know what's wrong and you can fix it? And I guess that leads me to a question that might be a little selfish for me, but what do you think as someone that is healthy, maybe having somebody that is dealing with cancer or some sort of disease or autoimmune in um, in their lives, how do we empower them to be open to this information and to, you know, to want to receive this information. Yeah. This is the, this is a toughie. Yeah. Um, I even asked Marianne Williams, I think I probably asked all the experts, but like how, if, 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 if there's someone in our lives that we deeply care about that, uh, is in a healing crisis and, or a health crisis and, um, they're not open. They're just only approaching it from Western medicine standpoint, which again, the documentary is not anti-Western medicine at all, but we encourage you to look at it from all angles, a holistic approach. And they're riddled with fear and they're negative and they're feeling sorry for themselves, which is all natural human things to do if they're in a kind of a scary situation. You know, you can't force anyone to think like you do, you know? So there's no easy answer. The uh, The biggest thing is understanding that when people perceive that they are loved and supported, they it actually releases healing chemistry in their body. So the most important thing we can do is just show up 
be loving, allow them to take their process, gently suggest things, you know, gently, just, just never force. Because the minute, if someone's in a fear state or someone's in denial or someone doesn't want to hear it, they're going to re- resist and reject, you know, if you're, if you're forceful in any way. So just continue to hold space, show up, be loving, and then, and, you know, kind of gently introduce things as kind of subtly as you can. And then, you know, hopefully the love will open them up to be able to receive at some point. Yeah. I I gave her your book. So (laughs) (laughs) I read it and then I was like, read this. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that also to add to that, we're all supposed to open at different times too. Mm -hmm. We're all supposed to crack and see the light at different times too. So maybe for those of you that are listening, if you have someone in your life that is going through a health crisis, maybe it's not quite their time yet, Mm -hmm. but they will get there if you continue being open and loving and holding space for them. Or they won't. And that's part of our growth. You know, that's a lot of the, I've been on a ton of panels after the film you know, screens somewhere and with Michael Beckwith or whoever and, and, an audience member asks a version of that question or they're crying because their partners, they're trying to drag their partner to see heal and partners dying of cancer or whatever it is. And, you know, they just have to, we have to allow people to go on their own journey. Yeah. And, and, and that, that allowing is part of our growth as well, you know? So it's, it's layered. It's layered. <laughs> and it's not easy. But also, Kelly, what's next for you then? I know you said you're just allowing with heal, but anything else that we should be on the lookout for? The book, please. You know, the book makes a great gift. Um, uh, and then, you know, we're dev- a lot of people have asked about heal too. I intuitively think it's much, there's so much to explore. There's so many inspiring stories to share. Yeah. And there's so many different amazing doctors all over the world that are more holistic and functional and integrative, um, doing amazing things and, and different treatments that are less invasive and harmful that I'd love to highlight to show people what's out there and what's possible. Uh, so we are developing the heal episodic television series. Amazing. Uh, so we'll see if that goes, if, if it's in the cards, who knows? Um, but, but, you know, I'm just happy that, you know, it's in the zeitgeist right now. It's like, it's mainstream. I mean, like there's all sorts of, I just invested in this company called Wellset. Okay. Yeah. And, and do you know about Wellset? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just launching now. It's like in its beta. It's the app, testing. right? Yeah. It's yeah. An app. I know the girls behind it. Okay. Yeah. So I, when I was making Heal, I wanted to create some sort of like after support platform where you could, um, online, you can connect with people that have, have gone through what you're going through or like community to, to connect and share stories and learn from other people that have gone through your similar, you know, similar condition or whatever. Um, but I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. And so well set is, um, is a way for people to find trusted practitioners that treat your condition or whatever, um, and book online, uh, And, and also it's a place, it'll be an online community where people can share stories and see, you know, say you healed from stage four ovarian cancer, people with that same diagnosis can look who you went to Mm -hmm. and then book appointments with them as well. So so powerful. Yeah. You just, community is so important. And so I'm excited to be part of that. Amazing. That's awesome. So where can people find you? Uh, We're going to put the the link to the book in the show notes as well as the link to the documentary, but where can people find you? Yes. So um, healdocumentary.com. You can find the book the film, a lot of resources, um, recommended reading and information about the experts, et cetera. Uh, and then on social media, follow us at, at heal documentary. And then me personally, I'm at Kelly Goris on Instagram. I'm probably the most active on Instagram, but Facebook and Twitter, I'm at Kelly N Goris. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was truly such an amazing conversation. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I could talk to you for days. <laughs>